Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, welcome today to Southside Church, our online message and series that we're walking through. I'm so thankful that you would join us today and hang out with us for a little while. I'd love to invite you, if you live in our area, come and join us at one of our two locations in South Jackson County at our Redstone Campus or in South Banks County at our Commerce Campus. We would love for you to come, see what God is doing here, and maybe even be a part of it with us. And so people watch from all over the place. There are people that watch in other states, other parts of the country, and our own people that just aren't able to be here on a particular day, they will watch it and be able to uh, still experience God's teaching um, on, a, on a regular basis. And so today, our series our series is called The Blessed Life. I'll make a promise to you. If you would come and be a part of our congregation, come and visit us, see what we're about. I'll tell you three things that make us unique. I believe we're biblically based, I believe we're family focused, and we want you to be personally known. What we teach here in our worship center online, we teach everywhere, all the way down into our kids' ministry, all the way through our youth ministry. Everybody gets the same thing. Why is that important? Because the family can focus on the Word of God together, and they can leave and go home and have the same conversation and really help drive home biblical principles in their life. And so being present on a campus allows you to be personally known. And I believe that matters because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that when he can discourage you and isolate you. If he can do that to you, he can defeat you. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And God wants you to know that you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. And so those are reasons to celebrate today. And as we journey through this series called The Blessed Life, I believe it's something people long for. Hashtag blessed. I want to be blessed. Even though my kids tell me hashtags are no longer cool, Dad. Don't do them. I'm over 50, so I can be uncool. It's okay. I have an excuse. But when we talk about blessing, people want want it financially, they want it socially, they want it uh, uh, materially, they want it spiritually. People want to be blessed. They want to experience a good life. But the tagline to the series says, when life hurts, Jesus heals. So when we experience the hurt and pain of life, where do you go? When life isn't going the way you want it to go, where do you turn? Where do you go to? Who do you go to? What do you go to that, that, that kind of gives some peace and some relief from the pressure and the pain of life? I believe ultimately there is one of two ways that you can go. There is the world's way, which I believe this. When I mention the world's way, I will reference it in light of the enemy that you and I have. Whether you admit it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, you have an enemy, the devil, Satan. He is an enemy, he is real, he is powerful, and he's like a roaring lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. God in his word says to resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you're not alone in your sufferings in this world. The devil is 
a very real and powerful enemy. The sinful flesh that you and I deal with is a very real and powerful enemy. It is inside of us. You're born with it. You have a nature that is prone to do wrong, that steers you away from God. And God wants to bring a new nature inside of you through his Holy Spirit and his son, Jesus Christ. And finally, the world. And when I mention the world, it's not the physical earth that I'm speaking of. It's more of a belief system. It is a satanic belief system that is opposed to anything godly. And so you and I have a choice of the voice that we listen to. We can either follow the world's voice, a satanic belief system that is opposed to anything godly, or we can follow God's voice. The world's way versus God's way. And I will say this about that. God's way of living always contradicts the world's way. And we see that in the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes, they're nine statements that Jesus makes to kick off this sermon. They're really like the introduction to the sermon because throughout the message, Jesus deals with these things again. So he's kind of kicking off the message with an introduction, much like I'm doing right here in this setting. And and so he then elaborates on these statements and goes deeper in them. And so what we see in this, in this first public recorded teaching of Jesus, is that he is trying to not turn the world upside down, he's trying to flip it right side up. He's he's saying to people, you have been taught this, you have heard this, you have been told this, but I say to you, do this. And that's what we see in this passage. When Jesus saw the crowds, Matthew 5, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he began to teach them saying, wasn't just his 12 disciples, wasn't just those 12 men, there were ladies there, there were other people there. There were, could have been hundreds of people listening to him on that day. And so he sat down and began to teach them and this is what he said. The poor in spirit are blessed for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We've talked about that. The poor in spirit are those who realize they are morally bankrupt without God. That is the first place everybody comes to in a relationship with Jesus Christ, where we realize that apart from him, we are absolutely lost and have no hope of eternal life with God. We are lost and dead in our sin. And Jesus comes and forgives us and makes us alive again and makes us whole and gives us a a, a destination for heaven. So the poor in spirit, those who realize they are morally bankrupt apart from Christ, are blessed. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is a right now mentality. You can experience some of the joy, the peace, the life of heaven today just by trusting Christ as your Savior. Number two, those who mourn. Those who mourn are blessed. And then we talked about, about what mourning can look like and, and how people mourn. But this is more in reference to the mourning of sin in our life, the presence of ungodliness. So you've got to, we, we come and we realize we're morally bankrupt apart from God. We mourn over the sin that separates us from God. And when we do that, the blessing of God comes upon us for they will be comforted. Because we realize that apart from Christ, we are morally bankrupt. But with Christ, we have everything. We are adopted children into God's family. And because of our mourning over the sin, we can experience the comfort, the love, and the peace of God. Then he says, the gentle, the meek are blessed. It's not a good man. A lot of times men don't like to hear those kind of things. This is a great manly verse. Even though we talk about gentleness or meekness, we think we relate that to weakness. It is not. Gentleness does not equal weakness. Gentleness equals 
power that is kept under control. I'll promise you this, whenever you are out of control, God is not in it because God is always in control. The gentle are blessed for they will inherit the earth. The meek, those who are humble, those who keep their lives under control. And that leads us to number four today. And the fourth B attitude is one that builds on the other three. When we see the fourth B attitude, it is about the desire that, that comes, um, it, it comes or arises from a heart that has trusted God, that is continually mourning over their sin and is allowing God to bring their life under control. Those three things add great benefit to your life, and this is what we see. He says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed because they will be filled. If you ever wondered how to foster a stronger desire for holiness in your life, the answer is right here. This is what righteousness means. When we see that, when we go back and we say those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is a big churchy word. So what does righteousness mean? They are blessed. If you're hungry and you're thirsting for it and you will be filled, what does it mean to be righteous? Well, righteousness means to be made right with God and to do what is right according to God. There is a two-part to righteousness, and this is what we see. There's two kinds of righteousness. Number one, the righteousness God gives you to be made right with God. People wanna know. I believe that. I hear that from people. How can I please God? How can I make God happy? How can I, I, I have a relationship with God? What they're asking is, how can I be one with God again. How can I receive his forgiveness? Well, righteousness is in two parts. Number one, there is a righteousness that God gives you, and it comes through Jesus Christ and his death and sacrifice on the cross. That is a righteousness that has been imparted to you, offered to you, and it, it makes your account whole with God. It has nothing to do with you but it makes you right with God. And number two, there is the righteousness that God calls you to. And so one means to be made right with God, and the other is to do right according to God. Do right, do right, do right, do right, do right. Even if the stars fall from heaven, you do right. That was a, I, I just remember that in my life, a plea from, from, from my pastor saying, hey, you do right. Even if everything else goes wrong, you do right. And so there is a righteousness that God calls us to, and it is lacking severely in our culture and our world today. And so here, what we see when it comes to the righteousness of God, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed for they will be filled. It doesn't say they will be satisfied. It says they will be filled. We're not, we're not, it's not, a, it's, it's about, it's about living the principles and, and standards of God and applying them in our life and experiencing the freedom and joy that comes from that. And so this is an issue of roots, dirt, life, and fruit. That's what this is. This is about the roots in the ground, 
This is about the dirt that is on it. This is about the plant that comes from it, the life that springs from that, and the fruit that is a result of it. The number one distinguishing mark of those who are in Christ is that they long for righteousness. It is the number one distinguishing mark for those who are in Christ. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old man is gone and behold, everything is made new. It says that the great mystery in Colossians 1 of this relationship with God is Christ in you. It's the hope of glory. And so here, when we talk about a mark, a mark that distinguishes us, that sets us apart from everyone else, those who are in Christ, is that we have a longing, a hunger, a thirst, an appetite for righteousness, to be made right with God and to do right according to God and his word. And so my question today is, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Because today, I want you to see how to cultivate a godly appetite in your life. Now, this is what he's talking about. Those who hunger and thirst, an appetite, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. So five things today, run through them really quickly, okay? How do you and I cultivate a godly appetite? Number one, number one, we have to plant the right seeds. If you want to grow whatever, you want to grow tomatoes, you can't plant apple seeds, right? If you want to go grapes, you can't plant oranges, right? If you, you're, you're not going to get something different than the seed that you plant. You're going to sow or you're going to reap from what you sow. And the same principle that were principles that we find in planting, cultivating, harvesting a crop are the same ones that we find in a relationship with God and through his word, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so if we want to be made right with God, that comes through Jesus Christ and him alone. It's a one-time thing. If we want to do right according to God, then that leads to me consciously planting the right things in my life. The Bible says this in Philippians 3. Paul wrote, but everything that was a gain to me, everything that I had achieved, all of my stuff, all of my uh, accolades, all of my uh, things that I had accumulated in my life, everything, Paul said, that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. In other words, Paul said, nothing measures, nothing compares to the love and life that is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Paul goes on, he says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in, in, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things, everything, everything, all things. He's, he's lumping it all together. And I consider them like filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own. 
See, there is a righteousness that we try to derive and we are kind of born with that comes from selfish motives and intentions. It's self-righteousness. And and self-righteousness may feel good to you and may elevate you and look good to you in society and culture in the world, but it doesn't get us anywhere with God. And so here, we're not having, Paul said, I don't want a righteousness of my own from the law, even from even good things from the law. He said, I don't even want that that is, that is, that is apart from Christ. If it is separated from Christ, I don't want it. He said, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on my faith. Again, to be made right with God and to do and live according, to do right according to God or or by God. Paul said, my goal is to know him, to know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. So when Paul begins to talk about how to, or or in these passages, when we talk about how to cultivate a, a godly appetite, We've got to go to the right source. I mean, you've got to go all, you, you really got to go organic, all right? You got to go full in on this thing and not go to Whole Foods, not go to those kind of crazy places. I'm talking about going to the garden. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, I remember my granddad planting a garden, a huge garden. I've sat many times in the summer in front of a big box fan and shelled peas, picked, uh, broke up green beans, shucked corn, done all of those things. I remember those times sitting around that, picking things from the garden with my grandparents and my parents. Those are wonderful things. And there's just nothing like a good mater sandwich. Come on, somebody with some sunbeam bread and some mayonnaise. Duke's mayonnaise, thank you very much. But nevertheless, I mean, there's just those kind of things. They just don't compare in any other way. And so when we talk about planting or cultivating a godly appetite, you and I have to plant the right kind of seeds in order to get the right kind of fruit. See, this is all about roots, dirt, plants, life, and fruit. See, as you pursue these things, as you pursue these things, the things of God, the things according to God, the things that God wants in our life, knowing, knowing that I need these things in my life, man, it, it, and, and I'm pursuing them and seeking them, I find a hunger for righteousness. Your body can be sick. A lot of times when we get sick physically, we don't want anything to eat. We might want something to drink, but we don't want anything to eat. It's because we're unhealthy. And, 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 or there are times where you're trying to maybe change some patterns and some habits in your life, and you're trying to eat better, but then your body begins to crave other things, pursue other things that are not healthy and good for you. And so here, we've got to learn how to plant. If we want to eat the right food, we got to plant the right seeds. And that comes from the Word of God. As you pursue the Word of God in your life, as you pursue what things? Those who, who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, 
over their sin, those who are gentle and seek to be brought under the control of God, those who pursue those things on a continual basis, they'll hunger for righteousness. They'll thirst for it. If you're not pursuing those things today, if you're not seeking God with those things, realizing you're morally bankrupt apart from Christ, mourning over the sin in your life, and then, and then asking and seeking God to bring you under control, if those things aren't happening, you're not gonna hunger and thirst for righteousness. You gotta plant the right seeds. Number two, you gotta pause from pleasure. Take a pause from pleasure. There's good pleasure, there's bad pleasure. There are things that are good that may not be necessarily good for me to do. I mean, there are things in my life that, that can take away from what God is doing in my life. And I have to be careful because I need to make sure that God is the ultimate priority in my life. What is not social media? What is not television? What is not even working out, running, weightlifting, those kind of things. I mean, those things can be good. Going out with friends, part, you know, all the, whatever it may be. I mean, there are things that can be great in my life. I mean, there's, I, I get it. My kid did it, travel ball, all kinds of school and activities. There's so many things, so many things that are vying for our attention and our life. And they're not bad. They, they, they're not bad when they're, they're kept in the proper way. There are things that are bad. And, and we've got to be careful because we can give those, our body to those things. I mean, if all I do is eat brownies and, and uh, ice cream and cookies and cake, or if I just eat cheeseburgers and pizza and all this stuff, and I never put anything good in my life, I'm going to be unhealthy physically. Same principle applies spiritually. And look at what Paul said. Paul said, sometimes you got to take a pause from pleasure. Sometimes you may need some, a break from certain things to get your mind right, your heart right, your life right. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? So run in such a way as to win the prize. Why go if you're not gonna try to win? He said, run in such a way to win the prize. He said, now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They've got to discipline themselves. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away. But we are doing it to receive a crown that will never fade away. So Paul said, therefore, because of that principle, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. He said, I don't do that. He said, instead, I discipline my body. I bring it under control. Why? Under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul said, I gotta bring it under control. I've gotta get it under control. Here's a suggestion. Here's a way to make this work. If it, to, make, to begin to make God's word a priority in your life, prayer time a priority in your life, shut some things off. What if you took a pause from social media for a month? What if you took a pause from, from TV for a month? What if you took a pause from this for a month or that for a month? I mean, alcohol, whatever it may be. Find a vice, find a thing in your life. Take a pause from pleasure and begin to focus on the right things. Why? Because you are what you eat. What you consume becomes what you desire. If you want to cultivate a godly attitude or a godly appetite, you got to plant the right seeds. 
You got to learn to pause from pleasure. You got to position yourself to serve. What if you positioned yourself to serve? Let me explain what that means. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. If I'm going to position myself to serve, this is what I mean. I put myself in a place to serve others. In a place to love my neighbor as myself. I put myself in a place to share the love and grace of God and what God has done in my life. I can't do that if I'm not in a, if I don't put myself in a place to do that. This is all about cultivating a godly appetite in my life. I want to plant the right seeds. I may have to pause from pleasure and focus on some things to build my faith. I want to position myself to serve others, to help someone else in the community, homeless, this, that, an abused women's shelter, an addiction home for men, or in the church, whatever that looks like, wherever that may be, what if I position myself in a place to serve others. Why should I do that? Because Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Just after the Beatitudes, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are, but what, what, if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything. It's just thrown out and trampled on the ground by men. He said, you're the light of the world. You're a city that is situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before men. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Man, the church, the church is more content to sit in a chair than they are to do anything out in the community. We, don't, we just want to sit here and get fat on different things that please us. The church was not meant to be a cruise ship. The church was meant to be a battleship, an aircraft carrier that, that, that loads up the planes with the necessary weapons that they need to accomplish mission. God said, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He says, use your time, talent, and treasure to make yourself available to serve the needs of someone else. How am I cultivating? Are you cultivating a godly appetite? You got to plant the right seeds. You got to learn to pause from pleasure. I got to position myself to serve. This one right here, you got to feast on God's word. I thought about to keep the same peas. I thought about pig out on God's word. Come on, somebody. Pig, pig, pig out on God's word. Feast on God's word. People come to me all the time asking for help, wisdom, guidance, counseling, prayer on things and issues that are going on in their life. If I have the opportunity to, I ask them a couple of questions. Number one, how regularly do you come to church? And number two, do you read the Bible? Why should I come to church? Because it's not just a place where you gather to learn or to hear. It's a place where you gather to, to congregate, to meet, to find community and to grow together. God's word, how, many, how, many time, how much do you read God's word? Because this is the right seed. This is the right thing to put in our life. But if we don't give it any room, it can't grow it's not osmosis. God's not just going to supernaturally implant it in our life. We have to create a habit and a lifestyle of feasting on God's Word. 
We feast on tons of, mold, of social media message, messaging. We feast a ton on the world's message, and it's going to win if we don't combat it with something that is right, good, and true for all people. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. He said, do this. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk of the word of God so that you may grow by it for your salvation. Since, he said, you have tasted that the Lord is good. Those who are poor in spirit, who are morally bankrupt apart from God and realize that. Those who mourn over their sinfulness. Those who are gentle and, 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 and want God to keep keep their life under control and so they seek discipline according to God's word. That fosters a righteousness that you hunger and thirst for and you find true satisfaction in it. See, we've got to desperately rediscover the powerful and life-changing longing after God and his ways because we simply just don't have it. It's a missing element in our world today. It's a missing element in the United States of America today. And you can see it or the results of it everywhere. The church has lost its power not because God is dead, not because God is removed, not because Jesus is ineffective. The church has lost its power because we're eating and feasting on the wrong things. We don't give God work, time to work and move in our life. Finally, this all leads to this place. We have to learn to trust Jesus with what? Everything. Everything. With my marriage? Yep. With my finances? Yep. With my relationships? Yep. With my job? Yep. With my children? Yep. With, with, with everything. Trust Jesus with everything. Second Peter chapter 1. God's divine power has given us everything required for life. Everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You got to have knowledge of him. Know what he wants and what he does because he's called you by his own glory and goodness. And by these, by what? By his own very great and precious promises. He has given us, by, by this calling he's placed on our life, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escape the corruption that is in the world and it's there because of evil desires. Peter, writing here at the end of his life, he said, God's given you a calling. God's given you everything you need for life and godliness. And by these things, because he's given you everything you need from his word, from a relationship with you, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in his nature and escape the corruption that is in the world because of your evil desires. I'll say this, if you can trust Jesus for forgiveness and for heaven... Why is it so difficult to trust him for progress in pursuit of his righteousness? Revelation 6 says they will no longer, one day there's a day coming, we'll all be in heaven for those who know Christ. Those, they will no longer hunger, they will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them 
He will guide them to springs of living waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. See, if you and I want to become all that God has created us to be, we must desperately and completely depend on him. Today, let the dirt do its work. Plant the right seeds. Let the dirt do the work. And take a pause from pleasure. Position yourself to serve others. Do that today. Feast on God's word and trust Jesus with everything. I just want to pray with you for a moment. Ask you if you haven't trusted Christ with your life, do that today. Say yes to Jesus. Let us know. And let's begin this journey together of growing our faith and trust in Jesus. Would you pray with me? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, say these words today. Confess these words. Believe these words. Say, Father God, I love you. I need you. I believe in you. And I believe you love me so much you gave me your one and only son to be my Savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Make me right with you. Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life because I'm ready today to follow you and say yes to you. Amen. Let us know today if you prayed that prayer with me. Let us know today if you're ready to take a step to grow in your relationship with God. Reach it, let, let us know in the comment section so that we can begin this journey of growing your faith and in the Lord Jesus together. The true journey to the blessed life. Thank you so much for being here today. I'll see you next week. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.